Welcome to the Wealth Tech Winner Circle Podcast. In this podcast, we break down the technology challenges that are impacting today's financial professionals. Our goal is to identify these challenges and potentially uncover solutions across tech integrations, adoption, emerging technology, evaluating solutions, and more. Through this content, we hope to help professionals avoid common pitfalls and move their services towards an award-winning strategy for 2020 and beyond. Hosted by Tim Welsh, President Nexus Strategy and Consultant to the Wealthies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Wealth Tech Winners Circle podcast. My name is Tim Welsh with Nexus Strategy, and I'm joined with Robert Sophia from Snappy Kraken. Robert, welcome to the podcast, and maybe get us started by... Telling us a little about your background, um, what you do over there at Snappy Kraken, what Snappy Kraken's all about, and maybe one or two fun facts that the audience may not know about you. Oh, man. All right. That sounds good. Well, I mean, first of all, this is a Winner's Circle podcast, so apparently that means I'm a winner. I think that's pretty exciting. So thanks for that. As far as Snappy Kraken and me and, and why we're on this podcast and all that kind of good stuff, well, I'll just tell you that we, we are the only marketing automation platform for advisors that does true marketing automation. We are the only one that actually has been awarded number one for customer satisfaction, number one in fastest growth, and and number one in advisor interest, according to the latest uh, T3 Morningstar survey. And we help advisors automate five key practice areas. We help them automate lead generation. We help them automate prospect nurturing, client engagement, referral generation, and certain workflows we help them automate as well. So we do those five things, and and we... We, we love serving advisors and helping them accomplish those things in their business. I've been in this industry since 2004, started out in an RIA, ran the marketing, grew assets there from about uh, $125 million when I started to about $650 million in less than five years, built that into a marketing program for advisors, and now it's a technology company that does it for advisors. So my passion is, is helping advisors grow. Fantastic. And maybe um, a couple of fun facts about your background. I know you live down there in the wonderful state of Florida. You know, uh, what, what should the audience know about you? Well, there's a difference between what they should know and the fun facts, I think, Tim. All right. What they should there. know, what they should, <laughs> should know is that I've spent my entire career focused on marketing and the majority of it in financial services. And that's my core competency. And I have an amazing team of, of people that support me, designers, writers, people who our marketing experts and, and automation experts. And that's what I really want advisors to know. But fun facts, yeah, I love to go boating on the weekends. I adopted my son, who's now uh, almost two years old in the light of my life. My wife and I have been married almost two decades. So I'm very much, first and foremost, a family man. When I was a kid, let's see, fun facts. My mom forced me to take ballet. So there you go. That's a fun fact. I was 10. She told me I would meet girls. I was excited. Instead, I got bullied. I realized ballet was not for me very quickly, and I stopped taking ballet. So there's a fun fact. (laughs) That is awesome. Thank you for that open book candor. Very good. So Stappy Kraken is known for marketing, and I believe you've won Wealthies for social media and several years running. Tell us about that initiative, and why do you think it stands out, and why the judges selected Snappy for that prestigious award? Yeah, thank you. You know, it, it's a it really is an honor because there's so much social media activity and to be considered the social media leaders for a technology company two years in a row, that is an honor. And I think the reason it's important and relevant is because most companies, especially in our industry, still aren't really doing social media right. They don't have the balance of 
you know, proper personal engagement with business promotion, and, and they tend often more toward the business promotion. They struggle with authenticity. So a lot of times they're, they're kind of putting on an image, which ends up not resonating with people because they're so worried about looking professional or looking successful instead of looking authentic. And so for us to receive that, based on initiatives we've done, which are designed around really helping advisors get real traction on social media, both personally and professionally in a way that that grows their business. That's something we're proud of. And we've done it for our own brand as well. We have a very high level of engagement. We have a very approachable brand communication style and engagement style on social media. And that's important today. Everybody wants to know what they can get out of social media and you can get a lot out of it, but Really, it starts with what you give to it. And we've focused really hard on giving, giving a lot of free advice, giving a lot of free resources, giving a lot of free compliments to people and engaging with people. And, and that's where it's at. And I think the fact that we received that award reflects our commitment to uh, making social media a great place for advisors to, to grow business and build a brand. Yeah, I love that word brand. Um, you know, uh, you've told me the story before, but you know, for the benefit of our listeners, you know, Snappy Kraken, what an interesting name. Maybe the origin story, if you wouldn't mind. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. You know, the the origin story is less important to your listeners than the principles. So I'll tell you the principles first, and then I'll tell you the origin story. The the principles are have a brand that's really unique, have one that's really sticky. Have one that people are going to say when, when they hear it once, like, oh my goodness, that's interesting, and make them ask, well, what do you do? And there are some advisors who've done a really good job at that as well, but we wanted to do it for marketing. We wanted to have a brand that was really stand out. And if you, if you stack the name of your company next to 100 other names in the same space, is your name the one that stands out? And that's the great litmus test. Can you get all the handles? Can you get the Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, domains, everything you need? To, to own that brand. And if you start doing something like you take a common name and you just add FP to the end or AM for, the, for asset management or something like that, and, and it's like there's a million Compass Financial. It's Compass Asset Management, Compass, Compass Financial, Compass Financial Planning. So I guarantee you right now, if you went, you'd find Compass in every possible iteration of financial something. It's just an, an example of a bad brand because it's not unique enough. So go unique, go bold. That's what we did. It's been great for us. People say, oh, we see you everywhere. And really, it's just because we're so memorable. And, and that's, that's the origin story. We, were, we actually brainstormed what to call our company, and it had to be based on those principles. And my partners did the exercise without me, and then they presented me with the name, which they said we should call our company Charming Octopus. And uh, <laughs> I know it's, it's, it's laughable. And it's not because they're not incredibly smart and amazing guys. They absolutely are. And the name met all the principles, but we had to work on it some more is the point. And Octopus relates to our platform. It's an API. There's all these tentacles that go out and connect other services and automate them from one central hub. And that's how we got to Octopus. But thankfully, that took us to Kraken. And then we got, you know, if you, if you look at the name Snappy Kraken, there's a bunch of consonants in it. It's fun to say. Uh, that's that's a, a good thing with a brand. If people like to say it, if it kind of rolls or pops off the tongue, that's a good brand attribute. So we we finessed it until we got it to that point. Uh, that's a great story. I love hearing it even uh, multiple times because it does. I think you're right. The principles are what's more important here. And as the, the advisors can 
really learn from and everyone in the marketing space can really take that as a successful example. So congrats on that. But you know what, while we're at it, let's talk a little bigger picture. You know, this is a technology series here. You're in the tech world as well. What other tech challenges do you see advisors struggling with or what's kind of getting in their way? And on the flip side of that, what are the opportunities maybe that they're not leveraging with all this great technology that's out there? Yeah, it is a real challenge. Advisors know they need technology to scale their business. And there's now so much of it. I mean, the the, the wealth tech space has exploded in the last decade. And, and even in the last few years, there's been an acceleration. And advisors struggle to know which tools to use. And then they, they struggle to get those tools to really work together. And uh, some of those problems stem from legacy technology that wasn't really designed to work in a harmonious way with other systems. And then they have these bolt-on APIs. So instead of being like API first, uh, which by the way, uh, application programming interface is what API stands for. That basically means, you know, your application talks to my application and they communicate. But uh, most advisor technology just has kind of a bolt-on API component and it, it's not fully embeddable. It's not a, a true seamless experience. And that's that's a challenge as well. So number one is picking. Number two is is getting them to work together. And really three is, is adoption and usage inside of the practice. Usually what, what we see is they, they use a lot of tools on the surface. They have like a little bit of functionality that they actually use. I, I liken it to, to my home gym. Like I, I invested all this money. I built this whole gym in my house. I've got this, this machine that I can do anything with. And I spent the first six months like only doing the exercises that I know that, that were like obvious. Like, oh, this is how I do curls. This is how I do bench press. But like I can do deadlifts on my machine. And I never took the time to figure out how to deadlifts on my machine. I had to like read the instructions, right? And I had to learn. I had to get bored and start expanding my use of this machine. And that's the same with advisor technology. You know, they have a CRM and all they do is put basic client contact information in it when they could be automating so many other workflows and things inside their practice. And, and so that's, that's a big thing too, is utilization, getting your team really embedded and using that technology every day and getting the maximum benefit from it. So pick the right tech, pick tech that works together with other tech that you have, and make sure that you're using it to its fullest potential. Uh, great advice. I think that's absolutely true. And every analogy you said about that exercise, I think uh, machine uh, applies to me and my remote control. Same thing. Can turn on <laughs> exactly. Off. That's another good example. The remote control. That's right. I don't even know what my yep. remote control yep. does. Change the channel, adjust the volume, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, so to me, that's the client experience. And I kind of an uh, easy segue there because uh, it's so important. And maybe we overuse that word client experience in this space to mean so many different things. But from your point of view, you know, how can advisors, I mean, really streamline that, that digital experience using technology to make it like Amazon? I know that's sort of like our holy grail in the space, and we always have regulatory issues and paper and wet signatures and so forth. But, you know, from what you're seeing out there, when you're helping automate these processes, you know, where's the bang for the buck? Where can advisors get an immediate impact on really trying to create more of a digital experience? Well, you, you raise a great point, which is client experience. And, and then you also asked about digital experience. And I, I would argue that those two things are, are one and the same. And if you, if you always think about digital experience separately from overall experience, you're kind of missing the ultimate, which is you want a unified, positive seamless experience across the whole business. And technology is just a component of that because it is going to get easier to have a better technology experience because there's better technology coming out and there's a lot of pressure on technology providers to deliver an Amazon-esque experience that advisors can use. But 
that is only part of it. And, and the true differentiators are going to be in the overall experience. Because if, if technology is available to all advisors, then at what point does that experience remain differentiated? At some point, it's not going to be differentiated. Actually, it's table stakes. People expect it. So I would say having a great technology experience is essential, and you've got to choose providers that help facilitate that that great technology experience. If it's online account access or aggregation for your clients, if it's document sharing portals, if it's if it's the account opening experience, whatever it is, it needs to be really, really easy and really, really seamless and on par with what they expect from the other applications they're using. But that's basic. That's that's just essential. Then on top of that, though, it's it's how your how your staff is is talking to the clients, how those little touches, those personal touches, those acts of kindness, the things they experience when they come into your firm. I mean, right down to how comfortable is the chair in your lobby and what magazines do you have on your table and what is on the TV. I mean, if you if you if you think about all those things as part of that experience, then you'll always be looking for ways to make your firm a place clients want to be, where they never feel frustration or friction, whether it's in the technology experience or anything else. And you can never take your eyes off of that. It's never good enough. It's never it's never good enough because it's what other advisors do. It needs to always be accelerating, a better, more impactful experience that touches people and helps you form meaningful connections with them. Yeah, I like how that you all those touch points you talked about, you know, sort of like the customer journey from a prospect to a client. If if you I think if advisors paid attention to all those things, they might do things differently from their tech. But uh, here here's a here's one for you. A, a term that I've sort of made up and I just love your opinion on it. Have we reached peak robo in that I think advisors are sort of over the angst they used to feel about the robots replacing them. Now they can see sort of the leverage they could get from an automated platform. Can advisors and robots exist the same time, uh, what do you think? We are not even close to peak robo, in my opinion. And I think advisors are only now starting to see the real potential that exists. And the companies that are out there building smarter technology for advisors that does more to help them create that experience is going to change the industry. Because uh, I'll just take an example. You've got the fear of the robos the, the, a couple of years ago coming in and taking all of our business. And now advisors are realizing, you know what, that's, that's not really founded. People still want a human being. But then you've got most advisors aren't running an experience that's as seamless and painless as what the robos are running. So that's been a problem. It's been a deficiency. So what's happening now? You've got companies empowering advisors to create an experience that's just as good as the robos on the technology, but with the human element. Okay, that's going to continue. So at some point, what's going to happen to advisor-client communications? Well, the systems are going to see the client's profile. They're going to see their activity online. They're going to see their risk tolerance. They're going to see all of this and pull it together in a way that's meaningful enough to actually reach out to clients with personalized communications on behalf of the advisor that feel like the advisor was individually involved and yet it's going to be the computer behind it. I mean, an example, this is a very rudimentary example, but just to put the concept into simple terms, if you actually had every one of your clients' sports teams documented 
you could send out personal communication to them when their teams are in the playoffs or their teams win a championship and say, hey, I, I know you're a Packers fan. I, this is so great. Congratulations. I, I bet today's a great day for you. <clears throat> and the client's going to be like, I cannot believe they remembered I was a Packers fan and sent me a note about that. But the reality is you didn't remember and a computer did it. Same thing with, you know, you, you have an anniversary of a client's death. Uh, I mean, of, of, a, of a mate's death, a spouse's death for one of your clients. And there's an integration with a service like Bond, which handwrites note cards using robots, and it actually uses a ballpoint pen, so it looks like you wrote it, and it can copy your, your, your handwriting style. So you know, now it's the, it's the anniversary of a spouse's death of a client, and a handwritten note card goes out and says, I know John died a, a year ago Tuesday, and I, I know this is a tough time for you, and we want you to know that we're here for you. And the client actually believes that you sat down and, and hand wrote them a note. And instead, all you got was a notification that said, this note was sent out to your client, advising them that you were thinking of them. And by the way, here's their phone number if you want to call them. And that alert is in your CRM system. And all that happened automatically. And you're briefed and you're going at the speed of light because technology is empowering you to do these things. These are just basic examples, but this is where the industry is going to go. We're going to have advisors who are doing amazing amazing things for their clients, serving them in a, a better way than ever. And it's going to be empowered with technology. Wow, fantastic examples. That's really cool. I think the opportunity is fantastic for automation of a lot of those kind of tasks and really leveraging the advisor's ability to focus on the relationship. So you know, let's keep going with the buzzwords. So here's another one we hear a ton of hype about, AI, artificial intelligence. Do you see use case in wealth management right now for AI or... Is it too soon? Big data is not there for us. What's your thoughts? Uh, clearly, you're deep in this kind of automation world. What do you think? Yeah, you're all about the buzzwords. These are good. These are good ones. So, you know, Tim, the the power of AI actually is reflected in a couple of the examples that I just gave you, um, and I could I could go on with some other examples, but but the point is that yes, there's a massive place for it, and yes. Advisors need to understand that it can be value to them. But here's the big issue right now. The data is already out there. Okay, the, the, the big data is there. The computing power is there. And there are even AI platforms that can do some amazing things. The problem today is that technology has not been fully built out in a way that advisors can benefit from seamlessly. And yet, technology companies love to tout that they have AI as, uh, because it's a buzzword to help them get more business. Because it's like, hey, we have this AI thing. But I mean, we don't say anything about AI on our platform, but, but so much of what we do is AI. Because if a computer is processing data and using that data to modify actions that are happening, then that's artificial intelligence. But that's just, I mean, it's not a reason to say that we have AI because the, the perception of artificial intelligence and what it's going to do and the reality of what it's doing today are very different. So like those examples I gave a, a few minutes ago, those are examples of, of really powerful AI doing amazing things to help advisors. Right now is the fact that your system goes out and accesses some big data and pulls that into the CRM is that a cool thing? Yes. Is it fully leveraging the power of AI? No. Is AI going to really change our business once it can be properly leveraged? Yes. We're just not there yet. And I think advisors need to be careful of 
technology companies to say, hey, we have this AI. Like at the end of the day, you got to ask yourself, okay, you have AI, great, but what is this going to actually do to improve the client experience, to save me time, to save me money? Is it just being used as a buzzword or is it going to actually impact my business? And that's the thing that's sometimes hard for advisors to figure out. Yep. Great, great insight there. You know, uh, the big picture, you know, big macro trends, you know, which ones are you paying attention to? You know, we know demographics has been in the business. Advisors are older, clients are older, next generation's coming up. What sort of trends are you looking at? And, you know, how does um, Snappy Kraken kind of help play a role in some of these big challenges hitting the industry and how you think you can help? Yeah, well, we we are very focused on the marketing angle of things, and so there there are a lot of trends that are affecting our industry that other people are more qualified to speak about than me. You know, the the aging of the advisor population and and the lack of diversity in in our industry and and things like that. But but we're very very focused on it from from a marketing perspective. So for us, the the trends are how can we automate things, and and this speaks to all your earlier questions, how can we automate things that are high-value activities for advisors, but also time-consuming things, and how can we automate as much of it as possible so that advisors only really have to do the things that they are uniquely qualified to do and best qualified to do? And I, I believe that we are close to a time, within the next decade for sure, where, possibly within five years, where an advisor will only have to have personal interactions with clients and prospects, that everything else will be automated, and administrative functions will all be automated, where things like manual note-taking are obsolete, things like any manual account opening processes are obsolete, where things like preparing for reviews is where everything like that is done with with automation and technology preparing financial plans all of that and so the the days of sitting down and putting in a million pieces of data on your own and spending hours on a financial plan will be obsolete and that's that's really for for us with an with the marketing that's what we're looking to how can we not just do like what other marketing companies claim like set it and forget it and all these platforms out there will say, oh, yeah, we, you, know, you just sign up for our service and we're going to post to social media for you automatically. You never have to worry about it again. But that doesn't work because it's not personalized. And it's, it's, not, it's just all the same canned garbage. So for us, the trend is how do we use the power of predictive analytics, artificial intelligence, big data? How do we combine those things with automations that will take the work off of the advisor and still deliver it in a way that is highly personal and feels very authentic. And a, 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 a small example of how we are doing that right now, that is just the beginning. But case in point, today, if an advisor gets a new prospect and that person is not doing business with them right away, we, we have personalized emails that come from the advisor, from their email address that are not canned, that reach out to that prospect every week automatically until they take specific actions. They feel like the advisor sat down and wrote them, and if the person takes the action to finally request the appointment of the meeting, those emails stop. Okay, that, that technically is a form of artificial intelligence. But 
We don't tout it as that. I'm just saying this is a basic example. We can automate outreach for nurturing prospects for advisors. That's one example. So we're looking for more ways to do that. How can we automate more engagement on social media? How can we automate more client engagement? Uh, How can we send notifications to clients at key times for key life events? How can we identify those key life events based on other data structures that are available online that we can access and so the goal here and, and the trend that we're following is, is the, the hybrid mixing the technology with the man or the woman behind the desk to create a combination that is unstoppable by any form of technology alone. Yep. Very well said. So here's one. This has got to be right in your wheelhouse. The year 2020, vision, clarity. So what do you see for Snappy Crack in, in 2020? What's coming up? What are you guys looking at? What can we expect from the platform? Yeah, well, you know, actually, we, we have a three-year vision. One of my mentors sent me a book called Vivid Vision, which I highly recommend anybody listening to this podcast read. It's by Cameron Harold, and it's, it's all about taking the vision for your company three years from now and putting it down in writing uh, as if you are in that time period. And so we've done that for our company. Uh, We have a three-year vivid vision, which we roll out to our entire company at our annual retreat back in November. And then every single department used that vivid vision to develop a series of OKRs, which are objectives and key results. You can Google that as well. Basically, they're goals, but they have a couple of very specific things about them. The objective is first, and the key results that will determine whether you met that objective follow. And so we have objectives and key results for our entire company, for every department, and for every individual. And here at Snappy Kraken, our objectives and key results for 2020 include things like dramatically improving uh, things about our reporting capabilities and how our interface is accessed by advisors. Uh, It includes greater flexibility and proliferation of content types for different niches. So like right now, we have campaigns for lead generation and for prospect nurturing for retirees, pre-retirees, professionals, women, physicians. We've got several more niches that will be coming. Um, We've also got things like SMS, automatic broadcast messaging, other big data integrations to build out better prospect profiles, more flexibility to brand content for the advisor uniquely. All of these are things that that are on our roadmap. So for anybody who's seen Snappy Kraken, it's already like a really, really easy way to get into marketing automation, but we're going to make it easier and we're going to make it more flexible. And that's really how I distill it down. S- smarter, easier, and more flexible. Oh, that sounds great. And I uh, love the plug for the book. I think everybody's always looking for those type of things. You know, so uh, as we wrap up today's conversation, you know, I'm just curious. This is all about the wealthies in 2020, September. A little shameless plug there. So what can we expect from Charming Octopus? Whoops, I mean, <laughs> I got you. Snappy Kraken, uh, what sort of initiatives do you think you'll be nominating for the 2020 wealthies. Yeah, well, actually, I have on my desk right now, uh, still, I have the entry guidelines and I've got all of the categories for which technology providers can nominate themselves. I, I think you can certainly expect to see us nominated again for Chief Marketing Officer of the Year, Chief Technology Officer of the, of the Year, excuse me. We've also got an awesome new client onboarding campaign that we, we launched for our members updated this year, which I think we'll nominate for. So that's three categories. We got a few others, and I think we, we need to try to uh, dominate the social media leadership category again. So we, we recently released nine, over 9 million data points 
benchmarking study for uh, advisors activity online, the biggest of its type ever ever published. So I think that's going to go in there in thought leadership or or social media leadership. So I think we'll be we'll be nominated for for five or ten categories, and I think whether the judges view us worthy to be in the finalists remains to be seen. But we certainly hope so because we've loved being part of those uh, events in the past. Well, it sounds like you got a full slate there. We look forward to seeing all of that. And Snappy Kraken has always been a terrific uh, partner of the wealthy. So we look forward to seeing you there. Thanks so much, Robert, for your time today. I really appreciate it. And look forward to seeing you in New York at the in the fall. Cannot wait, Tim. I will have my dancing shoes on. Fantastic. See you then. This content has been made for information and educational purposes only. The views and opinions represent the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views and opinions of wealthmanagement.com.